as travel uh, around the world has slowed almost uh, to a small trickle. I have been thinking a lot about uh, some of my recent travels, and especially this week thinking about uh, our family's trip last summer. Uh, we took a, a Route 66 trip uh, all the way to uh, Oklahoma and then around. We traveled uh, across nine different states. We uh, eclipsed over 4,000 miles in our car. And uh, as we went along, we, we certainly had specific locations that we plugged into our map to help guide our way because there were particular places we wanted to be, particular things we wanted to see, particular uh, people that we wanted to be with. We, we didn't just go to Arizona. We specifically went to the Grand Canyon. We didn't just uh, have on our map to go to Oklahoma. We were going to Nana's house. We uh, didn't just cross the border into Utah. No, we have more specifically in mind to uh, find ourselves at Arches National Park. It was wonderful. Uh, as we think about Jesus today on this Palm Sunday, he has been on a journey, a journey of very specific destination in mind, a journey with a particular locale. Uh, he has, Luke tells us, he has set his face earlier this particular year, this last year of Jesus uh, living on earth. He had set his face toward Jerusalem, the Bible says. And it was more than just a specific city because he dialed into his GPS a particular spot in the city uh, that would be the centerpiece of his ministry the last week of his life, and that was the temple. In fact, throughout the week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday, Jesus is at the temple. He would daily travel the nearly one and a half miles between Bethany, just outside Jerusalem, to the temple. He would go back and forth each night. Uh, and at the temple, he would be engaged by people who were really interested and drawn to him. And he would also be confronted by those who were suspicious and malicious. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to Mark chapter 11? Mark chapter 11. Uh, we will find and read here. Uh, I need to grab my Bible. <laughs> we will uh, read about Jesus on this uh, Good Friday uh, on this Palm Sunday, rather, his arrival into Jerusalem and the reason that uh, he was drawn uh, to this particular moment in this particular way at this particular time. Here's what the Bible says in Mark chapter 11. As they approached Jerusalem, so Jesus has been traveling and there are followers with him, they came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives just outside Jerusalem. Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, and bring it here. If anyone asks you, what are you why are you doing this? Tell them, the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found the colt outside the street, uh, tied to a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered just as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, uh, and they thrown their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! 
Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This becomes the pattern for this week. He would go out to Bethany, he would come back during the next day, and uh, they would do that on and on. Just like any successful journey uh, has a common elements to it. There is a transportation method. There is communication that has to happen and preparations that are made and a destination certainly is in mind with a, a successful journey and journeys typically have an intention. We know even today uh, during this time of virus, we know even, even trying to get to the grocery store uh, takes more planning than maybe we've ever thought before. A preparation and a destination in mind and a communication with those whom you love. But we're going to look at each of these in turn and what Jesus uh, brings and what these things tell us about Jesus. Why these particular events are provided in the scripture to help us understand who Jesus is and why this event uh, is as it is. He has a transportation method. He arrives at the village right outside Bethany and uh, he has uh, a donkey there. That's his transportation into uh, the city of Jerusalem. And that may seem sound kind of strange to you. A donkey is not exactly the type of animal that uh, many people uh, would ride on. Uh, it may sound strange to us, but in a biblical viewpoint, it makes perfect sense because uh, in Zechariah 9.9, we are told that, that the king, the coming king, would be riding on a colt, riding on in such a way. Jesus, as he rides into Jerusalem in this fashion, he is identifying himself as the king, the long-awaited king, the returning king. Many people throughout the three years of his ministry on earth, they, they had been trying to, to thrust him forward into this identity, to, to don the mantle of kingship and, and to step into uh, this role that he has refused it out of timing. It wasn't yet his time, but now at this moment, these few days before his death on the cross and before Resurrection Sunday, Jesus comes now identifying, fully taking on the mantle of kingship as he comes into Jerusalem. And there's a very clear identification. This is in part what makes the, the throng of people swell up with, with this uh, praise on their lips uh, because there was a certain communication. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes! In the name of the Lord, the word Hosanna is a word that literally means save us. God, save us. They're looking at Jesus and they're waving palm branches. Some are taking their cloaks and laying them down as, as a sign of honor. We are honoring you, a holy one, Jesus, as you arrive as a king into the city. Uh, many of us are thinking we, we want and hope and are expecting you to, to now liberate us from the oppression of the Romans. And we're going to be set free as a people to be and to govern ourselves and to do and worship however we, we see fit. And this is the expectation that they had. Come, save us, God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is, this is a worship-filled expression for the people. People waiting for relief from on high. It's an echo of Psalm 118. As worshipers would come to the temple, there would be a procession. Often you, you would get your clansmen in your village, and about three times a year you would be heading to Jerusalem.
Jerusalem in order to worship. And, and you would have your cousins and your brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles. And, and you would often travel as a group, pilgrims, coming up the mountain to Jerusalem and to the temple. And as you would approach the city in Psalm 118, uh, you would often say those leading the procession, they would call out toward the temple, Blessed is he who comes! In the name of the Lord, and in response, those on the temple would respond back to, to the arriving pilgrims. These, these words would shower down from the temple grounds. They would say, we bless you from the house of the Lord. So as Jesus arrives on a donkey, just like Zechariah 9.9, it's an expression of kingship. He is finally and publicly proclaiming his kingship. And then the people rightly proclaim, God, come and save us. This worshipful act, you are here to save and to rescue. And Jesus, like any good journey, he, he has a transportation method. And, and there's good communication that happens. But there's also a destination that he has in mind. It's not just a haphazard city that he's chosen. And it's not just anywhere in the city where he will find himself most of the time during the week and the days following up. Uh, leading up to Easter. He finds himself at the temple. That is his destination. Once he's in Jerusalem, where does he go? Verse 11 tells us that he immediately goes into the temple. It's nighttime. He looks around at the temple. He looks around at, at the, the, the things that are set up there. And then he leaves there because it's late. goes back to Bethany. And he returns the next day. Why the temple? Why is this so important? It's because the temple has, for so long, for the people of the day, served as a tangible reminder of God's presence. They would see the temple, and they would be reminded that God is present with, their, with them. They would be hoping for God's presence. It was pictured as a symbolic dwelling place of God on earth. It was the place where God met with people. It's uh, the place where God reached down, heaven reaches down, and gives earth a big old hug. It is God with his people. That's what, what the temple represented to them. And it's where, as I've mentioned, Jewish people three times a year for generations now have traveled from wherever they live. They would travel into Jerusalem in order to worship. The temple was so, so important to them early in the history of the Jewish people. There was a, a, a portable version of the temple. It's called the tabernacle that uh, literally could be packaged, packaged up and as the people traveled from one place to the next, uh, the, the tribes of Israel, they, they would set up their campground uh, around the tabernacle. The tabernacle was set up first and all the tribes would encircle, you'll see it in a picture here, uh, all the tribes would encircle themselves around the tabernacle. And it was not unlike other peoples of their day because people, as they would migrate from one place to the next, their king, as they would stop and make camp for a time, the king would set up his tent uh, in the middle and all the people would set up around the king. But not so the Jewish people in the Old Testament. As they would migrate and travel, it would be the tabernacle of God. God as their king would be set in the middle of their encampment. He would be the centerpiece of who they were. He would be the middle of their identity that gave shape to how they viewed the world, how they understood their past, and how they were anticipating the future to come because it was a trust in God. And this now is how they are setting themselves up in this portable version of the temple called the tabernacle. Uh, it is in the center of their encampment because it was a reminder that God is with them. God is their king. And God is the centerpiece of their life. Some years later, 
King Solomon comes along and he would build the first permanent temple. Uh, it eventually was destroyed and then another temple was built by Herod the Great. This is the same Herod uh, that we read about in the Christmas story. Uh, this is the same temple that you'll see pictured now. Uh, the same temple that was there in Jesus' day. Uh, Jesus uh, is described uh, where we begin to blend Easter and Christmas together. When, when Jesus comes uh, and the announcements of his arrival onto the scene of our earthly existence, he, he comes. The way John chapter 1 describes Jesus coming uh, is, is in this way of connecting Jesus with the temple of God, connecting Jesus with the tabernacle. In fact, in John 1.14, the Bible says that uh, the word came and made his dwelling, made his, literally, his tabernacle with us here on earth. From the very beginning of Jesus' life, he is being identified with the temple, the place where the worship of God happens, the place that's a reminder of God on earth with people. And Jesus, also in Matthew chapter 1, he's given this great description, he's given this name, it's the name Emmanuel, which literally means God is with us. God is with us in Jesus. God is with you. Watching from home, boy or girl, man or woman, God is with you today. He has made His dwelling here on earth. A dwelling not made by, by human hands, but a dwelling of His presence, and He wants you to dwell with Him. That is the reason that He has come. Jesus goes and He looks around at the temple, and then He goes off to bed. But on Monday, He would come back, and we would see Him clearing and purifying the temple. Because that was His intention in coming. He would come and purify the people. Jesus' intention is about loving and rescuing people. He has such a zeal for God's house, the Bible says, out of a love expression for you. I mentioned Leighton Ford last week, a, a Canadian-born uh, evangelist and Bible teacher. He preached with uh, Billy Graham for many years in his ministry, even married Billy Graham's sister, uh, Jeannie and uh, Leighton Graham, when he had first met his wife-to-be, uh, when they were in college, uh, they began to uh, wonder about their future. Uh, one of their very first real dates, he describes looking into her eyes, and, and the moment they first connected, he could see in her eyes uh, a sense of warmth, and in a relationship with her, there was a safe place to be. Isn't that what we're looking for? The, the deepest part of ourselves, we really look down deep, it's really, that is most meant, that sense of warmth and, and being in a safe place is most met as we connect ourselves with Jesus. Because Jesus loves you, and he's come to demonstrate that love for you. That's what Palm Sunday is partly about. Lady Ford describes it two years later as he and Jeannie were dating and uh, she was now in her senior year of uh, university. She was beginning to wonder if he was ever going to propose marriage and wondering if it would now time for her to go and look uh, and maybe think about other people uh, if he uh, was not going to uh, spring the question. And so she began to pray um, and she asked God for a solution, maybe that a resolution would come by the end of that particular year. And so she waited. And of course, she waited. 
and New Year's Eve, wouldn't you know? New Year's Eve comes around, and they're together as midnight approaches, and he described in his memoir that at 11.58, he finally got around to proposing marriage. And she happily uh, accepted, said yes, um, and she also mentioned later that uh, had he missed the, the midnight curfew, that she may have found a little more grace for him, uh, as he might have delayed uh, beyond the deadline. But this, it's a picture of love, a picture of connecting a life to a life. And that really is what God has come to do. What Jesus has come to do is to connect his life with yours. To let you know that he loves you so much that he would set his face toward Jerusalem. And more than Jerusalem, he would set his face to come to the temple. The very place that was symbolized God's uh, connection with people. And he himself, Jesus says, he says, tear this temple down and I will rebuild it in three days. People thought he was crazy. They knew how long it took to build that temple. But of course, he wasn't talking about the physical temple. Jesus was talking about his own body. He was talking about his own uh, life that he would, on Good Friday, uh, the Friday right after this Sunday, he would be killed, he would be executed, not just a martyr's death, but a substitute for uh, our sin, a substitute for your, your life. And the verses that follow verse 11, it, it describes the zeal in Jesus for the house of God that he goes and he begins to turn over the tables of the money changers. And he says, instead of enhancing and helping make worship possible, you, you're creating all these obstacles that, that turn people away from worshiping God. Um, and we certainly know what, what disinfecting is these days, don't we? The importance of wiping down uh, surfaces and door handles and uh, using hand cleaner and washing our hands with soap and water regularly and consistently. We have a new appreciation today, don't we, for the purity of things, the cleanliness of things. Jesus has a desire for the cleanliness and purity of your heart, of my heart. That is what Jesus is all about and desires to be for you. The source of purification for you. The source of establishing a relationship with you. You know, the temple was so important to Jesus, not just because it represented God connecting with his people, but it's the way that God connects with his people. You see, you and I can only be in a relationship with God after we hear and understand the invitation of God calling us and drawing us to himself. The temple is where the relationship with God is established in a sense. It's where that relationship was repaired uh, season after season and, and renewal comes. It's the temple that pictures the great sacrificial system. God's great exchange program where uh, the sins of people would be transferred onto the lives of animals. And those animals uh, would be substituted. They would end up receiving the consequences of the sin of the people. It was an exchange. The people didn't have to die. They could now walk in freedom and new life because of the forgiveness that God offered to them. When John, in John chapter 1, he gathers his disciples and he sees Jesus walking and he says, Hey guys, look, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know why he says that? Because he was looking ahead 
understanding that Jesus would be the one who would die in the place of sinners, the final sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, the only sacrifice for sin that is lasting, that has ongoing forever benefit to those who receive the forgiveness of Jesus for themselves. Here's how it works. Jesus died on Friday, this coming Friday, as we remember it, on our calendar this year. And he died to take on the sin of the world, to take on the wrath of God, the Bible says. So that when you take it and you you understand that there's a separation, there's a lack of intimacy between you and God, the Bible says it's sin. When you take that sin and you give it to God, you, you give it to Jesus at the foot of the cross... You're transferring your sin and your culpability for your sin onto Jesus. And he has taken it for you and he will remove the consequence of that sin in relation to God with you, from you. You see, it's God's way of saying, I love you so much that I'm proposing that we connect our lives together in a loving relationship that will be never broken because God himself is faithful to you. you see, Jesus then becomes the willing substitute for you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the embodiment of the temple on earth. He becomes the location of what the temple once provided. We no longer go to a particular place in order to have religious things done to us, but we come to the person of Jesus. You see, that's where real hope is. It's in the person of Jesus. Real hope rests in Jesus. Real hope uh, to solve uh, our issues in our relating to God is in Jesus. Real hope in solving our relational issues with one another is in Jesus. He is the centerpiece where the relationship with God is established, where it is renewed day by day, and where it is repaired uh, as we confess our sin to the Lord. So as we close this morning, I want to invite you this week. I, I know so much of our normal routines are have been upended. And I want to invite you to consider this week how you would focus your life on Jesus. Of how you could settle yourself before Him. How you could be with Him. How you uh, would offer yourself in prayer to Him. I want to ask you this morning, have have you received Jesus into your life? The, the people in this passage, they, they lined the streets and they waved palm branches. Some laid down cloaks on the ground ahead of him, laying out a royal pathway. Have you welcomed Jesus into your life? Have you invited him in to say, I, I no longer want this thing that keeps me bogged down and separated from you, God. I give it over to you. I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me. And I, I want the, the presence of your power and your person in me every day of my life so that all of the relationships in my life are infused with your presence and power so that your personality grows in me and more of you is formed in me and is evident in the way that I interact with people in my home and in my workplace and on down the list. You know, at times like this, when the world is experiencing fear and chaos and uncertainty, I am completely inspired by those 
who even though so much around us is, is shaking, who stand on the solid rock of Jesus, who stand in Him confident, assured, knowing that He has the future. You see, hope really is rooted in the right person. And the only right person is Jesus, the one who establishes and renews a relationship with you and God. Father, we pray this morning that you would hold us as we hear your word, that you would guide us by your spirit into your love, and you would help us to respond by saying yes to your gift and your call and invitation of love, the offer of forgiveness, the substitution that you have given for our sin, for my sin, that I might walk with you and journey now with you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you for the invitation to journey with you now. May we do it faithfully and with joy, we pray in Jesus' name.